First off, I understand you recently moved away from your hometown for college. Uh, now that you're living on your own, I'm wondering, um, how do you say your priorities and uh, perspective have shifted as an artist? Okay, so I would definitely probably start with just saying that like I'm more creatively diverse now because like where I'm from, the music that my home community made was very like, you know, SoundCloud rap, like mm -hmm. R&B-ish. And it just, that's not really what I wanted to like stay in the lane of like the lane of and like now that i'm up here like at school with all these different musicians i'm getting so many diverse like styles that it's like sh shifting it's like f molding me in a way like i don't know it's just very cool being up here like seeing so many different types of artists and people and uh, and on the topic of school you're going to school for music correct yeah so like my major is listed as it's cmap so that's like that's commercial music and audio production Mm -hmm. And I have a concentration in commercial vocals. So I'm I'm going to school for like producing, but I'm also taking like vocal lessons. Right. Okay. And I feel like to a certain extent, I feel like a lot of people have a pretty large disdain for creative fields being taught in school. So I feel like a lot of stuff like music school gets a pretty bad rap. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering, as someone who goes to school for like audio and, and vocals and whatnot, what would you say are some of the advantages and disadvantages of going to school for your passion rather than just like figuring it out on your own? definitely some of the advantages is like the networking and like the other students. Like I, I have several friends that are like, Hey, I, pl I play guitar. If you need guitar for something, let me know. And then I have other friends that are like, I'm a jazz pianist. If you need some like cool jazzy shit. So like, that's definitely an, like an advantage of it is just the, the community and the, the networking. Mm -hmm. uh, a major disadvantage is that there, there are only a couple of professors like my recording professor or like whatever that main that mainly talk into like commercial stuff, you know, like pop, whatever. And every other professor is like jazz related. So like I had a meeting today, I showed him dead star and <laughs> my jazz professor, my jazz professor, he was like, I don't like the bass in this. <laughs> I was like, of course is that auto tune that I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was not rocking with it. Right. Um, and I understand like, uh, I understand one of the advantages is I understand you recently got in your bag a little bit with, uh, getting, um, <laughs> pro tools for $20 or something like yes, that. Yes, bro. Oh my God, dude, these <laughs> educational, that's another advantage, bro. These educational discounts, anybody listening, like if you're want to go, like that's like the biggest thing is like plugins around like black Friday or like just normal educational discounts. Like I got Pro Tools for like $10 a month for Pro Tools, bro. And Isn't I got Pro Tools like normally like thousands per year or something like that? I I think so. I'm not like too, I don't know. I just know it's cheap as shit because I'm a student. And that uh, that brings up an interesting fact about your production experience. Uh, you've used FL Studio, Logic Pro, and now Pro Tools, correct? Yes. Right. And although some are quick to claim that any one particular DAW is like the best choice for everyone across the board, in reality, it's never really that black and white. Uh, so I'm wondering, in your experience, what would you say are some advantages and disadvantages of each of the softwares that you've used? One thing I've noticed with FL Studio is like I've streamlined the process in FL only because that's the the DAW that I started with. Mm -hmm. So like everything's very like muscle memory with FL. Mm -hmm. But like I'm learning every day with like logic, like the stock plugins, like learning how to like like flex tunes and all these different crazy like niche things of each DAW. Like what was it? Pro Tools is very good for just like tracking stuff, like just recording. Like that's what I've noticed at least. Um, but yeah, each DAW has its like different thing, but I'd say I'm like proficient 
in FL. And a lot of people in the community have pretty extensive experience writing and producing and recording vocals um, with other, with others over the internet. But as a music student, I'm sure you've been tasked with doing all of the above in the same oh room God. as other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have any sort of anxiety about recording vocals or producing in front of others? And if so, how do you rectify that? There is definitely anxiety of it because only because like for the longest time, it's just been me like in my room by myself doing sh- like I'd say this this semester was the first semester that I've like had friends over that I've like co-written songs with or like Mm -hmm. co-produced stuff with. And that's very odd for me only because I'm so used to doing it like by myself. And, uh, and on a similar note, an unfortunate, an unfortunate circumstance of having to be entirely online is that it strips back a lot of the interaction you can have with listeners of your music, um, which can lead to like a play or a light counter on SoundCloud kind of being like the only indication you have to, if people are fucking with your music or not. Um, so I'm wondering, how do you like keep yourself motivated or on track when a song doesn't perform as well as you might've hoped? My family. I know that's like a really weird corny answer, but like if, if my sisters are rocking with a song, like I, (laughs) like that's all that, that's all that matters to me. Like Mm -hmm. I've switched genres so many times and switched styles. And if a song don't get plays on like Spotify or SoundCloud, if, if if Georgia is like, Oh, this is cool as shit. Like then, Mm -hmm. then that's like success in my eyes because I I just want, I want to make shit that you know, people close to me enjoy. Right. And have your sister's been pretty receptive to all sorts of stuff. I can imagine they're receptive to stuff like hometown, but like, are they fucking with like dead star and stuff? See, so uh, was it? I don't, I'm not too sure about dead star, but I do know that when I showed them the album that, uh, as you know, the, the interlude is like three different songs. It's like a plug song, like a, a opera song and a country song and my older my oldest sister georgia unironically loves the shit out of the country song and like listens to it <laughs> in her spare time and i'm like that's not the point that's <laughs> but, not the, like the point is for you to laugh at it like sort yeah. of joke at it yeah that's but so like, funny it's really good <laughs> <laughs> like you should make more of this and then uh with so much of the community's operation um existing entirely online um i gotta wonder has the prospect of tearing that curtain down a bit um in the form of a live performance ever crossed your mind and if so do you have any anxiety about it i don't i don't have anxiety like anxiety for perf- like performing live i only because like that's what i do a lot in school like we have like you know every friday we have like a principal's class where we you know perform songs for each other and like they, we all give feedback to each other jesus that sounds terrifying it's literally an irl like ayo can i can i get some feedback <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally what it feels like i feel like a dylan longworth live performance would be super like dead simple to engineer because you don't really put a whole lot in your vocal preset do you not not too much definitely there, there's a lot more processing with something like as stylistic as like omitted like from rumination right or like you know vociferance like that's a very like electronic sounding song but with a with a stripped back song like you know hometown or lighter there's not much going on in those so yeah i I, it'd definitely be fun to perform live i like performing uh trauma live would be oh fuck yeah it, it goes so dummy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would tear a room in half. Yeah, no. Nah. And then um, I understand like you, your ability to sort of um, sort of pull back some of the some of the effects that you have on your voice is due in part to the fact that you have perfect pitch, correct? Either I have perfect pitch or really good relative pitch. Okay, it's, okay. It's one of the, it's one of the two, but I like to think that it's perfect pitch just because mm-hmm. it sounds cooler. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like hey, I have perfect pitch, but yeah, like I feel like a lot of people don't exactly understand what perfect pitch is. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what would you say are some of the common misconceptions you've encountered when telling people that you either have perfect pitch or extremely good relative pitch? Uh, I, I get the Charlie Puth thing a lot. 
That's literally the example I was about to do. That's literally wow. Okay, we are. Like, in oh my tune. god! Yeah. So, so like Charlie Puth, and I'm like, yeah. You're, so it's like, oh my god! You pull up a keyboard. What is this key? Bing, and then it's like, okay. I mean, yeah, I've had I've had friends do that. Well, they'll, they'll like play keys on like a piano, and like I'll be like, oh, that's a B flat. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of the times it's like asking somebody to look at the color red and be like, what color is this? And you're just like, that's red. And they're like, holy shit, no way. But it's like, that's why I say like, it might be like really good relative pitch because this gets into like really technical shit, but like, Mm -hmm. like the, the, mm, like that's a G like that's really technical. Like I can, I can find any note based off G which is known as like relative pitch. But yeah, I think it's just really good relative pitch, but I don't even know. I need, I need to get like tested on it. Like to see no matter if it's perfect pitch, relative pitch, whatever the case may be, I'm sure you've encountered a lot of people rightfully um, commenting how amazing your voice is. Um, but it's no secret that artists are often their own worst critics. Um, so I'm wondering when you receive positive feedback like that, whether it be on your voice or anything else, such as your production or whatnot, um, do you ever feel sort of any sort of imposter syndrome? And if so, what do you do to rectify it? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so like that comes from just growing up and like not really having anything going for me until I was like like 11 or 12. And then I mm-hmm. sang at like a karaoke bar for the first time, like ever. Mm-hmm. And then from the time I was like 13 to like now, just always getting like, oh my God, you're great. You're so talented. You should do this and do that. And it's very much, I, I've conditioned myself to positive feedback is something that like my brain doesn't want to hear it, but like I love it. Like I love attention, but I, <laughs> but I hate it at the same time. It's the it's the weirdest like juxtaposition. Like I don't. Right. It's like that. It's like that dichotomy between like I enjoy having my work be appraised, but at the same time, do you feel like it sort of doesn't stack up to other people in your field per se? Oh yeah, I will definitely sit and re-record vocal takes that are literally perfect because like <laughs> I fucked up like one note in this phrase. Like, it's definitely like a I I know how much work that I put into shit and people only hear like a final product and I'm like oh but you didn't hear when like this snare was f- pissing me off for 45 minutes like you know I mean? <laughs> on the song hometown you mentioned that at a young age you were put on medication um, that caused a lot of your early memories to be pretty hazy yeah. And as someone with Asperger's myself, that resonated with me a lot. And um, I'm sure, like, obviously both of us have grown a lot since those earlier ages. Um, But I'd be lying if I said there weren't um, or there aren't still a lot of difficulties that I face as a result of being neurodivergent. Um, So I'm wondering, like, what do you think are some of the main challenges you faced as a neurodivergent musician? And what do you think should be done societally to maybe help fix them? I think this comes back to the imposter syndrome thing you were talking about. Like, I... I don't think I'm the most unattractive person, but I don't really like sharing my face or like, you know, like if you look at like my Instagram or uh, like certain social media platforms, you'll see that like, there's not a lot of like imagery or, and if there is, it's like me turned around or like in a dim lighting, like it's like a, like a constant, like I want to stay in the background kind of thing. Right. I mean, like one of the things that like I have come into contact or come into like it's like risen up in my mind recently is like um, implied meaning. I feel like a lot of people, especially because we a lot of our communication these days like happens online. I feel like it's like when you're in person with somebody, it's maybe easier to learn their like body language, especially if it's someone you've known for a while. Oh, I struggle. Yes, I struggle with like body language, Mm -hmm. like reading people's emotions. Like it's very hard to like pick up on those like social cues. Right. Like it's, it's definitely like I struggle with that as well. But the point, like I'm, I'm saying that like 
in person, you get a lot more sort of cues to that when you're online with just like if somebody doesn't have their webcam on, it's, you just sometimes can't read those things. So you have to go off a of vocal tone alone, which can mess me up like a shit ton. Like I've struggled with that a ton. And then something you tackle on the album itself is the idea of like first impressions always oh kind of God. like, yeah, like sort of being something that you dread. Anytime I bring up to like an IRL friend. Mm -hmm. that I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was seven and I was put on, you know, Zoloft and Prozac and whatever, like when I was younger, the common, <laughs> the common response is, oh my gosh, I never would have known. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want your idea of me to be colored by the fact that I'm neurodivergent, but mm -hmm. it's often something that's kind of unavoidable. Um, I mean, I'm happy that it's heading in the way that it is currently because I feel like the existence of like the communities like the scene online kind of shows that it is really more of like a societal issue. It's not like human nature to just change the way you look at somebody because they're neurodivergent. Yep. So I'm 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 happy that it's like changing in the way that like online you can talk to people without having the expectations of if maybe you visited like your hometown or something similar. And uh, next, I understand the following track on the album, Exit 213B, has a pretty crazy story behind it. So I'm wondering, can you walk us through how that song came to be? This was like a month ago at this point. Um, I was having this same dream. It was like four nights in a row of me living in an apartment in Nashville, Tennessee. I, I have some friends that, are, that have been living in Nashville and have said, oh, my God, it's done wonders for me as like a musician. Mm -hmm. The community there is great. And I never really thought anything of it. Mm -hmm. But I, I had this dream like four or five nights in a row where I lived in this apartment in Nashville and it like overlooked the city. And I kept remembering that the apartment number was 213. Hmm. And I was like, that's got to mean something. So like I was doing research and found out that uh, 213 is like an angel number for like having creative freedom. Hmm. And I was like, damn, that's kind of wild. But then also... I, I currently live in like Silva Cullowhee area of North Carolina, like in the mountains and exit two, one, three B is like the road that you get off and like you're in Nashville. So it was just a crazy line of like coincidental, like mm -hmm. this is like something's calling me to Nashville and I had to like write a song about it. <laughs> That's super interesting. I love hearing that. Every yeah, time. it's yeah. crazy. A lot of artists your age are familiar with releasing singles, but maybe just starting to conceptualize their first full length album. Um, but I understand you already have like more than half a dozen underneath your belt. So I'm wondering, yeah. are there has there ever been like an individual track or maybe even an entire project that you've considered going back to and maybe redoing? Okay, for the longest time, like my debut album, it was called Vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And it was 11 songs. And I had my cute little focus right solo. I had my like, <laughs> I got that bundle when I was like 15 and I was in my room with audacity. I feel like everybody starts in audacity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had my guitar plugged in that microphone and no effects, no nothing would just press record and like the most raw songs and their ass. But <laughs> I swear every year I'm like, I'm a remake like four of those songs <laughs> and I never do. There's definitely like a sense of nostalgia and a sense of like pride in the fact that like, damn, like I did that. And like, I, and like, I'm doing this, mm -hmm. like, it's really cool, like internally to see my growth, but I, it's not something I'd want to like share to like everyone that like meets me or sees me. Yeah. And I think a thing with like albums and projects like that, like I've definitely taken down from Spotify, like probably half of those, like maybe four or five whole projects. I've had a lot of friends say that like, you know, oh, don't remove your older music because it really shows your progression as an artist. But I really like to keep that shit to myself and have the newer listeners that come in, like see me for what I've been making recently. 
if that if that makes sense right it's like going back to like the whole first impression idea you don't want yeah. somebody to be like oh i'm gonna check out dylan's older work first and then just be met with 15 year old dylan singing <laughs> audacity yeah and uh and in the creation of those first three albums were there any sort of lessons um that you learned that you carried into the creation of can i ask you some questions um conceptualize definitely because like I'll, I'll listen to old projects and be like what was the what was the idea here I think the first the first album that I really fully conceptualized was called Celestial. Mm -hmm. And that existed for maybe half a year just because I was like, no, this sucks. But again, perfect example, Contact was one of the songs that I remade from that album. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the there was like a space concept, like all the songs were like space related. Right. It's like I I can I can definitely see the I, I can definitely see the change and like the shift from like sort of like the mixtape mentality of taking a bunch of songs strewn about and then putting them together versus something like Can I Ask You Some Questions, which you kinda in my opinion, have to listen to from front to back to get like the overall shit, like overall narrative of it. Yeah. On um, Can I Ask You Some Questions, you showcase quite a bit of versatility with a lot of like <laughs> singer songwriter material on the front end with a much more like digicore influence sound on the back end. Uh, so I'm wondering what influenced your decision to include such a wide variety of musical palettes on a single project? Again, I think it comes back to family and just like my roots. Like when I wrote Hometown, like when I wrote like Exit 213, when I wrote 22, like all of those are, all of those are very like guitar focused songs mm -hmm. because I grew up listening to, you know, like the Ed Sheeran's and like the Shawn Mendes is like those really singer songwriter artists. And as I've grown and, you know, met like the discord communities and like, you know, met awesome with a Y or Swayze or all these really cool, like, like Daria core producers. I'm like, man, it's, it'd be really cool to like become more versatile. So I would really attribute the like, the versatility to like being on the internet and just seeing what's like what all is out there. Right. And beyond just showcasing a lot of versatility, something I really enjoyed about it is that it feels like it's a clean transition into it. It's not like it's not like hometown and then fucking Daria Corsnares on the <laughs> next song. It's like a very clean, smooth transition. And I think that demonstrates that you've been honing your skills in like having a really wide ver, ver, like a wide palette of music that you draw from and yeah really like yeah music. The, the track list was very much formulated to like ease your way into like the the harder shit <laughs> if that makes sense like harder shit right and um with so much on so much so many genres included on the album i'm wondering are there any genres that you've yet to touch on that you hope to in the future i messed with it a little bit on the interlude with like the when i made fun of like the not made fun of like i did like the plug like rage type song right uh that would be a genre like i i feel like it would shake so many people i'd be like what the fuck dylan making rage music like yeah maybe with less like yeet impressions but yeah <laughs> yeah interestingly enough if you go back far enough if in, in your discography your music leans much heavier in like the like the more traditional pop direction and only departs into the realm of what you could consider like digicore and stuff like that um with the release of the song dirty dan uh so i'm wondering what inspired you to originally take that's uh, that initial step outside your normal comfort zone okay so wow it's it's really cool because it's coming up on a year um really how old holy shit is it coming up on a year old it's coming My up God. on a, i think dirty dan just turned a year old like maybe a day or two ago wow holy shit wow that makes me feel old goddamn wow yeah so this story is crazy um i got really into break-ins i'm pretty sure that's how a lot of these stories start like from people that i've like talked to right it seems like break-ins and like maybe aries are the sort of like bridge yeah. artists to get into the sound because he has enough elements from more traditional instrumentation to like bridge people in Mm -hmm. No, but it was it was break-ins and I was a big fan. Like I'd watch those music videos all the time. 
And then I found out about Overcast. And then through Overcast, I found out about the Discord server. And then, you know, I'd hang out in there like occasionally, but it was like, it was like December of last year. I could not remember the, uh, the date to save my life, but Austin with a Y was the first person like in this community that I like met. Mm-hmm. And we played, I want to say it was like the week we met, we played Portal 2 for like eight hours. <laughs> and then it was like six in the morning, six in the morning. And he was like, you want to make a song? And I was like, yeah. And then we made Dirty Dan. And that was like my first like departure into anything like hyper pop, digicore related. And I was like, damn, this is so freeing. It's so fun. I don't have to like formulate a song. Cause like with pop in my head, it's gotta be like very formulaic mm-hmm. and dirty Dan. Like I wrote, there's a bar in that song. It's on all levels except physical. I'm a wolf. Like I, I was just, <laughs> I was just having fun. That's what I found with a lot of people like getting into the genre originally. It's like, there's no rules. Like you can literally just throw anything. And I think that's exemplified by like Daria core existing. Like what the oh my fuck God. is that genre? I don't know, but it's amazing and we all love it. Yeah, yeah. On the topic of, you know, bitch, I am a wolf on a levels except physical. Um, a pretty common criticism of this scene is that a lot of the time music from it is lacking in lyrical weight or content. Uh, but considering one of the tracks on the album is called Vociferance, evidently that's not something that you struggle with. So I'm wondering, uh, what resources or advice would you give to or would you recommend to someone looking to improve their songwriting ability? Just start with what you're feeling. Like I have like five whole notebooks somewhere in my like like home like original home uh just full of like uh december 13th this is how i'm feeling it's just like pages and pages and pages of just like my thoughts and like how i'm feeling Mm -hmm. and then i'd look at that and be like how can i make a song out of this so my songs really start with like where's my mind at like how am i feeling and then i formulate that into like a how could i put this in a rhyme scheme that's cool or like what melodies would make sense here Right. And uh, be honest, do you use rhymes on it all or no? Uh, occasionally. It's not occasionally? like a, it's not like a very often thing that I do. But if if I'm making one of those like turn up, like funny hyper pop songs, like I will definitely pull up rhymes on. <laughs> when I when I was listening to the album in its earlier stages um, up until its final release form, I noticed you made quite a few changes uh, from completely redoing the second verse on Exit 213 uh, to making pretty significant changes to the instrumental on um, Pyromania. So I'm wondering, as you're making all these changes to the album, how do you know when a track or even the entire project as a whole is done, finished, and ready for other people to listen to? Mm. That's one of my biggest issues that I'm actually talking to one of my professors about right now is like, when is a mix like finished? Like, when do you have to move on and like accept that this is like good and done? Like, I'll I'll sit in VC with Austin for hours and be like, dude, I'm going to scrap this. And he's like, why? (laughs) You know, or (laughs) I'll sit with Swayze and he's like, why are you like... Because I just get so caught up in like, how can I perfect it? The quote I think I've come back to, I think like a handful of times um, in interviews right here is that like stuff, creative projects like that don't ever get released. They escape because you realize at a certain point, if you continue working on something over and over and keep toiling away at it, it's going to like kill you. You're never going to get it out. And then um, and then on the album, you're mentioning Austin, uh, frequent collaborators, Bond, Dot and Austin with a Y make appearances on both the production and vocals um, to assist you on it. Uh, considering how much work you've put out with both of them, I'm wondering uh, what drew you to working with them in the first place? I mean, really, like like I was saying, like with Austin, like he was just the first person in the scene that was like, you're talented. He's like, let's make, let's just make shit. And like, I really could make cult projects with that motherfucker. Like I could sit and make music with, you know, Austin and Swayze and Bond, like all day and like not get bored. Cause like 
I feel like we're, we all have that same trait of like versatility and just able to make different. So it just keeps it exciting. Right. And uh, beyond Austin, Bond or Swayze, what qualities do you generally work for in a person to collaborate with? I am very picky with like, everybody around me will tell me that I'm like very picky with like producers or who I, who I work with. So I really think it's just a matter of like impulsivity. Like if you're just like, Hey, let's just make something right now. And like, let's do something different. Like that's one thing I really love. in like a artist is just impulse, like impulse, like being able to just make anything on the spot. In the creation of the album, I'm sure there were plenty of moments when you weren't maybe feeling 100% creatively there or maybe in like the best mood to record or whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm wondering, what do you do to keep yourself motivated when you're maybe hitting a wall like that? Uh, switch it up. Like if, like if, if I'm working on like a really ballad, like a ballady type song, then I'll like, that's how the country song like on, <laughs> on the interlude came about because I was struggling to finish writing Trauma. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me fuck around and just make a country song. And Austin was like, here's some guitar. And just, <laughs> like, and just bang that out in like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I just take, I, I take a lot of breaks, take a lot of breaks, switch it up. Uh, naps. Sometimes like taking like a midday nap and then like, waking up and like not knowing what day it is. is like kind of fire. <laughs> yeah. Something I've found is just, you mentioned like just walking away from stuff. Something that I've found is like, the ability to like just come back with a new set of ears and new set of eyes after not looking at it for a couple hours can make you both realize, appreciate the things that you did right, right, and then also notice some details that you maybe like should have altered, but went like when earlier iterations. Yeah. And then even within such a tightly knit community as this one, it feels like there are dozens of like new, insanely talented artists popping up every single day. Oh my god! Every day, I feel like I like meet somebody or hear somebody. Four CF is a great example of that. I was like, where where did this motherfucker come from? Like, yeah, it feels like one day I was just like going about, then everybody like like one hour in the day, like I had never heard the name Four CF before, and then the next hour Jade was everywhere on my timeline. Yeah, that song is so good. And in a similar vein, like uh, what if you could pick a handful of artists to put our listeners onto right now? Who would you pick? Definitely uh White EKM. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. He's so cracked. He he's uh he produced uh Pyromania and that was like a last minute like the album was done and then I was like listen Whitey, I need you on a song. Do you want to produce this? And he was like yes. Like that's that impulsivity I was talking about. Like we did we hopped in a call like you know 30 minutes maybe hour or two passed and like we finished that song and like before I uploaded it like to Amuse. Mhm. So yeah, like Whitey's crazy. Um Definitely Austin. Oh my God, Captain Morg, crazy. Uh, I don't got to put people on a Rory, but Rory's crazy too. Mm-hmm. Sudbath is ridiculous. Yeah, Sudbath's voice is like, oh my God, heavenly. It's God. Like fucking butter on the ears. It's so nice. That fool hops in VC and just starts talking and I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent? Or I, th- or no, I think they go by a different name now. Uh, Kiss or Guts, yeah. yeah. Kiss or Guts, yes. Crazy. Uh, producing, vocals, ridiculous. Fashion, fashion. That motherfucker dripped mm-hmm. out. Uh, Chanel father. Mm-hmm. I cannot listen to a single Chanel father without shaking ass. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. <laughs> Chanel father sprinkles in something and it was music that just makes you twerk. Winner. I hear that winner <laughs> tag, bro. And I'm like, Oh, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. And then, uh, on a similar note, um, uh, even beyond can I ask you some questions. You've collaborated with quite a few people over the years, uh, but I'm sure there's plenty more that you still want to work with. So if you could pick a handful of dream collaborators, who would they be? It could be anybody dead or alive from Ed Sheeran to search. <laughs> Um, John Bellion has been at like mm. the top of my list for probably since I started like trying to self-produce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John Bellion, uh, Bon Iver, 
Mm. It's really good. Like, I, 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 that, like that folky, but still like electronic type of music. Oh, it's so good. Um, definitely Aries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been a big Black Bear fan, but I might make a bold statement and say that Black Bear kind of fall off. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody would contest you on that one. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And then uh, finally, you've come a really, really long way in 2021 alone, and I'm beyond confident that you have a really bright future ahead of you. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what are you setting your sights on from here and out? You know, what can we expect from Dylan Longworth going forward? Definitely, uh, way more versatility in the music that I'm making. Like mm-hmm. the shit that I've done in the past week. Y'all, I'm learning how to vocode, bro. <laughs> I'm learning how to vocode. Yeah, I'm about to take like guitar lessons. Like, I mean, I can play guitar a little bit. I'm about to take like lessons for that. For that, you bitch. can play guitar more than a little bit. Come on, give yourself some credit. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would definitely say like, a, a lot more versatility in my music. Uh, I hope to start doing some live shows. I'm excited to like start meeting people from the internet, dude. Like this Atlanta show that's happening in January. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot yeah. wait to go to that and like meet all these people. Yeah, like something um something I learned from uh from Philadelphia is that like definitely just like obviously seeing them seeing all the artists that are gonna be performing in Atlanta is gonna be a huge thing, but just meeting your internet friends is probably the best decision I've ever the made community, in my life. The community. Like it really has like saved my life in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um I think that's gonna wrap it up for us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Awesome. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it.